and welcome to Positively Pro-Life Podcast. Positively Pro-Life is brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation and aims to bring you inspirational stories and conversation, important legislative updates and informative interviews as we seek to restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm your host, Ramal Tenney, Education Director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation, and I'm joined by Maria Gallagher, our Legislative Director, who will co-host with me today. So welcome, Maria, to the podcast. Thank you so much, Remel. I am battling a cold, so I apologize in advance for my voice. It's a little bit raspy, but we'll get through it okay. Oh, you are still clear as ever, so <laughs> it's going to be a good podcast. And of course, uh, to our listeners, a very happy new year and welcome to the first episode of the year. Uh, we hope you had a great holiday and that you are all set for everything that 2024 has to offer you. It's going to be a good one. And uh, we hope that along with the challenges, we will have a lot of wins this year. Now, we have a very special guest with us today. If you have been a frequent listener of Positively Pro-Life podcast, Hers will be a familiar voice and name to you. But before I reveal our guest, Maria is here with us for our weekly dose of pro-life updates. And this time, it is on the abortion industry's efforts to normalize abortion. Maria. Remmel, the abortion industry and its allies in public office have been working overtime trying to normalize abortions. From movies to magazines, from podcasts to public relations campaigns, the message has gone out that abortion is healthcare. But no amount of propaganda can erase reality. Abortion is, and has always been, the taking of an innocent, unrepeatable human life. It is always a tragedy. It is the deliberate, cruel destruction of a defenseless baby. It also has repercussions for mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, and grandparents. It is a family trauma, the pain of which can be felt for generations. This is the hard truth the abortion industry wants to hide, but there is no camouflaging the stark reality of an abortionist counting baby body parts to make sure that he or she got them all. The issue of abortion is a zero-sum proposition. Either the life growing inside a mother's womb is a baby or it isn't. Science tells us that it is. And 4D ultrasound images don't lie. If a mother's life is imperiled during her pregnancy, steps can be taken to protect both mother and child. We need not pit one against the other. The preborn child is not an invader but a human being of dignity and value and worth of the utmost value. No, abortion is not like getting a wisdom tooth pulled. It is an act of violence perpetrated against the most innocent and the wounding of a woman who is very often coerced into going to the abortionist. It will never be normal or agreeable. Abortion is not healthcare. It is a sign that our society has failed women and their children. Remmel. Thank you, Maria, for that. That was a little hard to hear, but I know that that's what we need as we start off another year of fighting for pro-life. Um, that they, these are babies we're talking about. These are human lives. So 
Thank you for bringing it all back into perspective as we begin this new year. Now, our guest today is Bonnie Finity, who previously hosted Positively Pro-Life podcast and served as the Education Director at the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. She has been a tremendous voice for the unborn in Pennsylvania and a familiar name to many that I meet that in fact, several people have asked me if I'm the new Bonnie when I took up the position. She might only be gone from the Federation, but she's very present in the pro-life scene in Harrisburg. Um, ever since she retired, she has been very active in her church, serving as the coordinator of the Respect Life Ministry at St. Margaret Mary Catholic Church. And she's here with us today to share some of her practical wisdom in reaching church members with the pro-life message. So welcome to Positively Pro-Life, Bonnie. Oh, thank you so much, Ramel and Maria. It is so good to be back. And it's it's kind of funny to be on this side of the podcast, but it, it's wonderful. And it's so good to see you and so good to be part of this again. Oh, it's such a pleasure to have you in and discuss this with you because uh, there is such wonderful work that you have been doing. So tell us how you've been keeping busy this past year. Well, as some of the, um, your listeners may know, or some of the people who are involved in the Federation may know, one of the reasons that I left the Federation um, was because my grandchildren moved very close um, and were just like 15, 20 minutes away. And at that time, last year when they moved here, my daughter was homeschooling them. And as a former teacher, I felt like I had a unique opportunity to kind of speak into their lives and offer some support. Um, and as it turns out, she was also pregnant with her fifth. So um, I have been spending a lot of time with my grandchildren um, this past year, helping out in various ways, and it has brought me tremendous joy. I mean, motherhood is my first vocation, and it extends into grandmotherhood, right? So, and, and few people today get that opportunity. Um, so I relish in it, and I cherish it, and um, it is just such a, a beautiful opportunity um, today I'll be picking up some of the kids from school and bringing them home and I'm kind of the after school support team. Um, so to me, that's really important pro-life work as well, because it all begins with the family, right? So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, another thing I've been doing, and you mentioned is I have been, um, just inspired by my work at the Federation to kind of deepen my involvement in my church one of the things that really I became very much aware of while I was at the Federation, um, just through reading and interviews, podcasts, um, books, et cetera, um, was how much the Catholic Church was targeted by the abortion industry in the late 60s. Um, Bernard Nathanson, who was the architect of the abortion industry, he actually um, admitted that they saw the Catholic Church as their biggest enemy to overcome. So he and Larry Later, who was a media strategist, devised a four-point plan um, in which they can kind of weaken the Catholic position and the Catholic laity, even the Catholic hierarchy. Um, and for example, one of those things was to convince Catholic politicians that they can be personally um, pro-life but also, but not take a public stand against abortion. Um, so we kind of see the fruits of that today. And another part of their campaign was to kind of just sow uh, seeds of confusion and doubt in the Catholic laity about, you know, whether abortion was a good thing or a bad thing. And of course we see those fruits today. Um, 
So upon leaving the Federation, I thought one of the things I could do at my own church was kind of become um, a better educator among Catholics themselves and to help them better understand some of the issues that I had the advantage of learning about while I was at the Federation. Now, that is so wonderful and so needed. And I'm wondering, what are some of the activities of your Respect Life group at your church? Well, first and foremost, while I mentioned education, I know we know that um, abortion particularly is a spiritual battle. So one of the things we've been doing is doing a rosary for life in front of Planned Parenthood. Now, because so many people work during the week, we found that going down on Saturdays is very um, beneficial. So we'll meet for morning mass on a Saturday and we will go down to we'll often carpool just because of parking situations in front of Planned Parenthood. And we will pray the USCCB's rosary for life in front of Planned Parenthood. Now, Planned Parenthood in our community is closed on Saturdays, yet we feel as though our prayers are efficacious, that you know, it doesn't matter when we're praying. We are praying for these babies. We are praying for the workers at Planned Parenthood. We are praying for the mothers and the fathers who, who walk in there. Um, and the prayers for, for the Rosary for Life from the USCCB are so beautiful. Many of the people have come down and have said to me, wow, that was the most beautiful rosary. Um, so that's, that's one of the things we've been doing. Um, we're also partnering right now with our Knights of Columbus to run a bus to the March for Life. Um, we're hoping to engage more students, more young people to come on that bus. And that will be taking place January 19th. Another thing we'll be doing is we're scheduling uh, a very important art author and well-known personality locally, Maria Gallagher, who will be coming to talk about her incredible book called Mercy's Power to Our Parish. Um, because we felt as though um, after the March for Life, people will need some tools as to how they could um, put their energy and their enthusiasm for pro-life work into action. And Maria does that in her book. Um, another thing that we've done is we recently had a quarter candle fundraiser. And with those funds, we've purchased children's books for each of the classrooms in our Catholic school. And we felt that this was important for these children to have age-appropriate books at their fingertips or books that their teachers could read them, books that would surround them each and every day, books that gave a message about the value of their life, about the miracle of life, um, about how their lives were planned and that there is a plan for their life and that they are valuable. So, you know, immersing children in these very positive and true statements from the time they're very little is very important because as we know, as they get older, they're going to be, especially once they're exposed to social media, they're going to be just um, hit with all kinds of negative um, and horrible uh, propaganda from Planned Parenthood, right? And from other people. So we really need to um, make sure that these children are hearing positive messages in the classroom. And we wanted to supply a whole library of books for them to do that. Wow, those are some very good, I mean, they sound kind of simple, but so effective uh, to reach, I guess, like the whole, the wide range of people in the church, within the church and outside of the church. Um, now, what are some simple ways that the church can reach out to those wounded by abortion? Because we know that um, right now, the statistics say that one in four women have had an abortion. 
And that means one in four women within our churches have had an abortion. So um, there are a lot of people sitting uh, right next to us in, our, in the pews. Now, what kind of resources uh, does the church have? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think this is so important and not addressed enough. Um, you know, sometimes when I have an education table at church and I see people just walk right by me, I, I wonder, you know, why aren't they engaging? Why aren't they talking? And I think a lot of times it's because either they have an abortion wound or perhaps their sister, their daughter, their aunt, their cousin, their son. You know, we, we don't know what the story is. Um, I've had people stop at my table recently, um, two gentlemen, actually. Um, one talked about how after his girlfriend was raped many, many years ago, I and mean, this man was in his 70s, his fiance was raped, she became pregnant, and they did not know what to do. And he actually was involved in helping her get an abortion. Now, he could have walked right by my table but he didn't, he felt compelled to come talk to me. And he was still suffering from that wound and wanting to talk to me about it. Um, another gentleman stopped by last week and told me that um, prior to getting married, his wife had had an abortion three years prior. I never gotten healing for that, brought that into their marriage. And it had such repercussions on their marriage that the marriage didn't survive. So, yes, I mean, I hear a lot about the woundedness, um, and then I also see people who don't want to engage, and I think that's because, yes, even in our Catholic churches, our Christian churches, there are abortion wounds. So, so how, could we, how could we deal with that? Um, first and foremost, I think we have to talk very compassionately. Um, I was given the opportunity to speak at Mass a few months ago to promote the Respect Life, um, kind of a reorganization of our ministry and expansion of it. And I really prayed a lot about how to word my remarks, because as passionate as I am, I don't want to come across as being judgmental. I understand that so many women and men who have gotten abortions have felt you know, forced into that, didn't feel as though they had a choice. In fact, the research says that up to three quarters of women who are post-abortive said they felt like they had no choice. They felt like they had nobody to go to. And of course, you know, if you go back 20, 30, 40 years ago, there was a much different mindset about pregnancy outside of marriage that these women were dealing with, you know, in the cultural milieu. So um, no judgment at all. I think we have to be very careful and speak compassionately. And one of the things that I wanted people to know in my, when I gave my remarks in front of the whole parish is that healing and reconciliation is possible, no matter how many years it's been, or whether it was three months ago or 30 years ago. Um, so one of the most beautiful ministries that um, is out there is Rachel's Vineyard. And we've been trying to advertise that. Um, we're going to be increasing that advertising in our bulletin and in our narthex where we have a bulletin board. We now have literature in our ladies room and in our men's room about Rachel's Vineyard retreats, about post-abortion healing programs that are available even through Morningstar, our local uh, pregnancy resource center. They also have a healing program. Um, so there's a lot we can do, I think, just through our language, just through a compassionate posture, and just by making sure people know that there are organizations out there that are willing to walk with them through this healing. 
And we talked before about books, but what are some other resources you use to educate both children and adults in a church? Well, we're very fortunate um, to have a Catholic school and we have a teacher this year who's very interested and enthusiastic about all things pro-life. And she is doing a spiritual adoption program through um, in our school. So um, she will be helping the students engage um, in a nine month journey from the moment of conception through um, birth of a spiritual child that they will be adopting. And they'll be learning about that child's development and praying for those children. So that's a beautiful way um, that our school can do that. And that's something we also hope to maybe bring to our parish as well. So our parishioners um, can also be on that journey along with the school children. Um, another thing that we do is we have purchased fetal models. Um, and so a lot of people have seen fetal models. I know we had them at the Federation. Well, we were able through our fundraising to purchase some more. And um, we purchased new models that I think are so interesting. I can't wait to show them to you, Ramela and Maria. Um, they are, they're showing the baby in utero, like in the, almost like in the, in the amniotic sac. And you can take the top off and then lift the baby out. Um, and they are just so beautifully done. Um, I can't wait to, to display them. We also have the smaller fetal models because in reality with chemical abortion today, most of that has taken place in the first trimester. And so many people don't understand how fully formed these babies are, that they have heads and legs and feet. And it's so important to see even at six weeks or 10 weeks, these are, these are, human beings. This is what we all look like, you know, in our earliest days. So I think those fetal models are really, really important. Um, other things that I use on our, um, we have like a lot of picture boards and I'll use pictures from, you know, our time praying in front of Planned Parenthood, our time at the state or national marches. And I use a lot of quotes from the saints and from the catechism to help Catholics understand why protecting life is so very important. Wow, those are, um, I, I love those. I loved all of the resources that you shared. And I do want to say that um, Bonnie had also a, a program. Uh, she had used the Sisters of Life program into life series, uh, which I was part of. And that that was really good education. So Oh, wasn't that fabulous, Ramal? Those sisters are amazing. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that because that was kind of like, yeah, we didn't have, you know, a huge group, but I think that the six or seven people that were involved that stuck through those those episodes were really touched by the sisters and how they approach women in need. Oh, it gave very good perspective, things that you would not have thought about, but you could see that they almost had a theology to approaching women who were pregnant, who were wounded, who were um, in doubt and in fear. So um, that's a great resource that anybody could use. So even just for yourself, if not for if you're mm -hmm. unable to implement it in your church setting, um, it doesn't even have to be a church setting. Honestly, I think it's for everybody out there. Now, um, Bonnie, I'm sure you've had a lot of interactions with people, but can you share with us what has been your favorite moment working for the pro-life movement? Gosh, this is a really tough question because there's so many... Uh, so many different beautiful moments. Um, and I, I would just have to say that 
to me, one of the most edifying things has been when I worked for the Federation doing what you're doing right now, when I had the opportunity to talk to people in various aspects of the pro-life movement, to go to their website and learn about how they are working to help women and babies and to support them both before and after birth. Um, just there's so many more pro-life organizations out there than most people realize working behind the scenes. Um just doing good work. So I always found that very encouraging and edifying and just so honored to talk with them. So I always loved the podcast and research that led to it. Um, I also loved education tables. I love face-to-face interaction with people and hearing their stories um, because they really just touch my heart. But um, you asked for one moment and I don't know if this was like, you know, my favorite, but it is definitely one of the favorite. And it was when I was at Creation Music Festival, I was packing up and I had those fetal models we were just talking about. And I saw this, oh gosh, maybe three-year-old old girl just kind of skipping down and she saw those babies and she came right towards me. And her mom was busy pushing a stroller and managing other kids in the back. And this little girl got away from mom and just came to my table and without saying anything to me, took one of those baby models and lifted it up and kissed it and hugged it and turned it around. And I just thought, well, nobody told her this is a baby. Nobody had to just this pure instinct. She knew this was a precious human life at like what 20 weeks that baby model was. I don't know. Um, And I took a pic. I asked her mom, they take a picture of her and we had a great conversation and I ended up writing a blog about it. And sometimes it gets reprinted. And every time that blog is reprinted, I am just so um, happy to see that beautiful little pigtail girl holding up those babies. And it just it just says to me what what we all know to be true, that this is human life. And even this little three year old knew that. Yeah, I have that picture etched in my mind of that little girl. It it was an extraordinary moment. And I'm so glad you were able to capture it. Yeah, it's something I will never, ever forget. Yeah. Well, how can we instill pro-life values in our children and our grandchildren? That that's so very key and it's such a challenge in today's society. It it is. And I, I wish I had like a really easy formula for this. Um, all I all I know is we need to be we need to be deliberate. I mean, that's a word that comes to my mind a lot. I think that maybe in past generations, if you know you're growing up in a good family and you feel like you have good values and you go to church every Sunday, that like, oh, kids will absorb these things. I think in today's world, which is highly secularized, um, in a world where you have a very powerful pro-abortion lobby, where you have Planned Parenthood targeting our children on social media and convincing them that, you know, um, that parents are not to be trusted, but they are, you know, like we, we have to be super deliberate and we have to be deliberate from the time they're very young. And when being deliberate with what? Well, I think being deliberate with the message that every child is an incredible gift, they're unique, they're unrepeatable, that there's nobody like them, that they were meant to be, that God has a plan for their life. And we need to tell this to them over and over and over. And I think that, um, you know, also being people who um, are open to listening to children Um, allowing them to share with us and also being a safe place to land 
so that if they find themselves, you know, in a situation where, yeah, maybe I'm young and I'm pregnant, but I know I can go to my mom and dad, or I know there's somebody in my family or there's somebody in my church who will advocate for me. So I never feel as though I have to kill my child in order to, um, you know, maintain the life that I have or, or stay in school, et cetera. You know, we, we just need to make sure we are keeping doors open um, and that children feel loved and accepted and safe with us. That's, that's really important. And on the lines of that, we know that uh, January is celebrated as the Sanctity of Human Life Month. Uh, with, with, I think, Jan the 21st is this year's date for when we are celebrating the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Uh, we specifically have that day to, uh, to remind everybody to reflect on the value of human life and how important it is for us to protect it. So um, do you have plans at your parish? Is your group doing something? Yeah, we're very excited. We're going to be having a lot of bulletin announcements and videos and, and all kinds of social media um, blitzes, but we're really excited. We have the executive director of Morningstar Pregnancy Center come to speak after all of our masses. And um, we are blessed with the wonderful Pregnancy Resource Center in our community that has grown tremendously, uh, not just in size and number of services, but in locations. Um, and I'm very excited to have her come speak because right now, as many of us know, these pregnancy resource centers are under attack, um, both on the state and federal level in terms of their funding. Um, and I think people really need to hear about the services that are available in our community so that no woman feels as though abortion is her only choice. So I'm super excited to have Linda Plummer of Morningstar speak at our um after all of our masses on Sanctity of Life Sunday. And we've got uh, maybe just about a minute left. I'm wondering, um, Bonnie, can you give some final words of advice to somebody who is interested in uh, joining the pro-life movement or, or perhaps starting a group at their church, but they, they just don't know where to start? What advice would you give to them? Yeah, I would say, first of all, just pray and start small, find a few like-minded people, sit down and brainstorm, um, also network. I've been reaching out to other churches and other leaders um, and, you know, why reinvent the wheel? Let's talk to one another and figure out what we can do together and benefit from each other's inspiration. Um, so I would say just get started um, and don't get discouraged because, you know, that's what the evil one wants. He wants us to get discouraged. Um, so stay at it, stay prayerful, um, talk with your pastor and just, just, um, stay encouraged because in the end life will win, but the Lord is looking to us to be his hands and feet. And we have to, we have to do the work. Very well said, Bonnie Finnerty, you are just a pro-life powerhouse and it's such a joy to have you back on the podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is a joy and you ladies are an inspiration. Keep up your great work. Thank you. Positively Pro-Life is made possible through the generous support of the members of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation all across the Commonwealth. The Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation is the largest single issue pro-life organization in the Keystone State with nearly 40 local county-based chapters. We shine a spotlight on the most vulnerable individuals. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, there is always a reason to choose life.